0: If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning, this episode contains foul language and mentions of murder, suicide, and the worst funeral ever.
1: to or watching Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, deadly, slimy, cursed, haunted musical, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together from across the country and we talk about something This week we are back with more beautifully bizarre segments for your ear holes and your eye holes if you're watching us on the old YouTube. We have some weird news, ocean creature stories that we've been loving so much lately, musical curses, and maybe a little ancestors chat thrown in there, I don't know. Sit back, relax, take a breather from the chaos of life for a bit, my goodness. You're just hanging with a couple of your weirdo friends. Imagine it. We're just, we're in the car with you. We're in your living room with you. We're in the kitchen with you as you're chopping up some veggies. Let's hang together, weirdos, and jump right into it. My name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host,
0: Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hello. I do usually listen to podcasts when I'm cooking dinner.
1: I do too. That's a lot of the times I don't commute anymore. That was the other mm-hmm. way. So now it's the chopping.
0: That's what well, I've been, so I, I told you this before and listeners as well. I've had to, I read Under the Dome 13 years yes. ago. Right. I'm having to reread it for uh, the Losers Club. We're doing a massive two-part, maybe three-part episode on it next month. Warmth. And because it's a big one, it's a fat, it's fat book. So big. She's thick. I don't have enough time to reread this. Um, so I decided I'm going to do the audiobook. I've never done an audiobook before. I'm actually really enjoying it. I feel
1: like you never were much of an audiobook person, but I love that you're coming into the world. Sometimes it just really
0: works. Yeah, sometimes it I just takes one. You. And this one is 40 hours long. <laughs> That's no surprise. <laughs> That shouldn't surprise me
1: because Under the Dome is just a wild and wooly time. It's so It's amazing,
0: enormous. I've got to give you a status update. A I'm, I have 22 hours and 39 minutes left. And I'm telling you guys, mm-hmm. I listen to this on my morning run. I listen to this while I'm getting ready for work. I listen to mm-hmm. this on my drive to work, on my drive mm-hmm. home from work. I listen to mm-hmm. this like any moment that I get. I'm listening to this fucking audiobook. I don't know and if you're I would like
1: almost halfway through. I'm right? almost halfway
0: through. Well, no. I'm Well, no. Well, hold on. How mm. many hours do I have left? Twenty-two. I'm almost halfway through. Yes. I'm almost okay. halfway through. I think re- as a reread, listening to the audiobook is fucking dope. I don't know how much I would enjoy it if I read the book already. But if it was your that's first time in the future, Ashley yeah. to find out. <laughs> not for, yep, this, not for present present Ashley to worry about. Not our problem right now. Uh, just a quick reminder. Mm. Yes, we do have ads now. It's not a glitch on your, your podcast machine. <laughs> Sorry. We have ads. There should only ever be like three per episode. But if you ever find it annoying, just know you can go to www.patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast and donate to our show to get all the episodes from here on out, ad free. We also, I did want to say this, we basically have no control over what ads you hear. It's going to be based on your region. So if you ever hear an ad and you're like, there's no way they'd support this brand, hit us up. That's definitely something we'd like to know about. Let us know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we want to be aware of that. <laughs> but if our show yeah. gets interrupted at the halfway point with a weird ad, it's its not a glitch Um, They exist now. You can get ad-free episodes, though, on our Patreon. Also, we have limited edition shirts in our merch store, which you can find by going to www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch. We've got our Team Orca 2023 Summer Revenge Tees. As well as our Eyes in the Skies UFO T's. And if you're a Patreon or patron of our Patreon, you'll get 10 to 20% off, which usually takes care of like tax and shipping. So head there now if you want a cool new t shirt that also supports and reps your favorite pod. Thank you for all you do for us. And if you ever have a t shirt idea, send it in. I love designing them. So Send them my way. I know, and you're so good at Thank it. You. But
1: yeah, sometimes we need a little inspo. Just as we asked for sponsored segments, sending in your segment ideas, t-shirt, t-shirt ideas. Send them on
0: over. Send them over. We love Send it. Send them my way. Um, I'm gonna start us off today, and we have quite a bit to get through. So let's, let's do, it. do it. Do it. Do. Let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Okay. <coughs> guess what? <laughs> I yeah. had a thought she did it yay she did it she did it okay first of all she she thought thought. of something i actually she did i'm gonna check real quick just to see let me just see if she got back to me because i reached out to amy goldenberg about this no she hasn't seen it yet damn it because i i have a question about it because All of my I had a thought segment so far have been things that have come into my head randomly, like formed completely, almost seemingly without any input from myself. Like if you remember the last time I did this, uh, one of the thoughts I had was that I'd never experienced childbirth. And then immediately the thought I had was, don't worry, you have and you don't need to in this life. So I feel almost like I'm channeling these thoughts and concepts. But. I don't know how to tell the difference between something that is being channeled and just my own Or thoughts. just a
1: genuine thought in your head. Yeah. Because sometimes your thoughts have turned into something that is real, but you were just smart enough to think of it on your own and then it turned yeah. out it did exist in the world. So I do wonder how you know so, the difference.
0: But, but they, these, these mm. thoughts that are, that I keep talking about on the show are, they seem like more than just my own inner monologue. They they right. instantly like make me take out my phone, start taking notes, because it feels like such a like like eureka right. moment when I have these thoughts.
1: Like I know this is important. I need to get it out.
0: Exactly. So the most recent thought I had sent me down a very fun rabbit hole. So today I'm going to be talking about offerings for the dead. Mm. So what happened was I have become a really fantastic cook. Not to brag,
1: love that for you,
0: but I can cook just about anything, and it tastes fucking insane. It's so <laughs> I'm such a good cook, and I like don't even mind bragging about it um i'm I'm really good at it. It started with getting home chef meals and kind of learning about different yep. ways to cook different things and seasoning and flavor pairing and how to make my own sauces and dressings. and now I just make really, really, really delicious food, yeah. But I think the reason that I'm so good at it is because I love doing it. I love cooking. I love mm-hmm. every part of it, especially the cleanup, because that's Joe's job. But I do... Same, <laughs> Same
1: with Alex. I'm like, I love the cooking so much, but yeah, Alex has to do all the cleanup. Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting because while I'm cooking, it's the closest that I feel to my grandmother. She mm. was a fantastic cook always in the kitchen cooked everything from scratch she was Italian she made her own pasta noodles so that makes sense that that's when I would feel closest to her but I never cooked with her she didn't teach Mm. me how to cook I didn't spend time cooking with her in the kitchen maybe we baked cookies together but I thought it was interesting that I felt so close to her while I was doing that thing Right. But then I remembered something Amy Goldenberg told me about how we can have a closer connection with our ancestors. And she said that doing things that they did would strengthen that connection. So like if you knew your ancestor was a carpenter, taking a woodworking class would be a way to connect with them and celebrate them. Yeah, which is so beautiful. And then I thought, okay, why is that? Well, maybe on the other side the in-between, it's the only time they get to feel alive again. Hmm. So this is something I've talked with Joe about before because his argument on reincarnation is super valid. His argument is who would ever want to reincarnate? Who would choose to do this again? It's so painful. Right. It's hard. It's, it's so hard. hard. It hurts. It's so it's painful. All of the things. Yeah. And we have very blessed, easy lives. Totally. Compared, Can you
1: imagine? Like, you don't know what you're going to be into next, in the next life. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, who would want to do this again? And my argument was always that, yeah, but it's all, you know, peace and love over there. But you can't eat food. You can't drink. You can't do drugs. You can't have Mm -hmm. sex. You can't hold hands. You can't dance. You can't kiss. Your energy and your consciousness, but you don't have a body to feel all of those amazing human feelings. That yes. Yeah. Do feel pain and do feel hurt. But they also feel like a lot of really good things too. Totally. And maybe. Like in my case. Maybe you have a soulmate that you have so much fun with. So I asked him like wouldn't you want to come back so we could laugh together again. And that was the only time he was ever like yeah I guess you're right. Like I would. Go through it again. If it meant like I would get to do this with you again. So. It's the most romantic so thing I've sweet. ever heard.
1: So sweet. I love that. Because I,
0: I was surprised that he wasn't like, nope, I still wouldn't. <laughs>
1: right. He, he has a romantic side, people. He does. You've got
0: it. Romantic, Joe. So I started thinking about how it's possible that when I'm cooking, my grandma is connecting with me and it's like she gets to cook again. Oh, man. Which led me to offerings. What if when we leave out food offerings or wine or tobacco, they actually get to taste the food? They get to feel the wine and the smoke of the tobacco in their lungs. It's like a little taste of home and being alive. But it's only when they are honored in that way by someone living. And what if ancient people knew that? And that's why so many ancient civilizations used offerings in their rituals. So in ancient Mesopotamia, for example, they believed kind of exactly what I had pop into my brain. When people pass on, they move into a plane of consciousness that's a lot like life on Earth. They live in homes. They are reunited with family and friends who had passed on. But it's barren. It's devoid of life. Food is bitter, water is brackish, the dead eat dust and clay. So spirits relied on food offerings from their living descendants. To get a taste. And to get, get a nourishment. Taste. Yeah. In the old Babylonian period, living relatives would leave food at the graves of the dead at the same time each month. And if the offering was late or forgotten, that's when the ghosts would return to the earth in search of sustenance which would cause a haunting or potentially mm-hmm. harm or misfortune to people who are still alive. That makes a whole lot of sense. In Egypt, we all know, it was popular for royalty to have their servants and pets mummified alongside them, which is mm-hmm. horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we have found remains of mummified beef ribs, mummified goat leg... Mummified meats essentially buried with kings and queens so that they'd have plenty to eat (coughs) on the other side. Not that I need anything to eat. (laughs) Man, yeah. Because I'm full. The same in ancient China. They would bury grave goods with their dead, which would include food and drink that were stored in what was essentially ancient Tupperware to provide sustenance on the journey to the spirit world. Ancient Greece as well. They would give offerings of milk, honey, water, wine, celery, dried and fresh fruits like... Food offerings were huge. And it's easy to say, well, they were stupid and they believed in silly things about the afterlife. But how is that any more silly than believing that we'll all go to a gate where a man will read us our sins and decide if we get to go in or if we get thrown into an eternal fire? Let's talk about that. Uh Uh-huh. Literally Uh just Uh as silly. And considering no one actually knows, knows. We have no idea. I'd say... Maybe ancient people were onto something because these are again civilizations with no contact with each other that developed the same rituals and similar mm-hmm. beliefs in the afterlife.
1: Yeah, and I love that it all goes back to the dragons from last. It all week. goes back to dragons. I love this because um, my friend has started celebrating Dia de los Muertos every year since her yes, husband I was has bring died. That up. We, yes. And we always leave a shot of whiskey on the altar for him. And like, we swear that the next day, because one of the times I was, I spent the night at her house and the next day it was way lower. It was a full shot and it had gone down and she was like, I mean, some of it could have evaporated, but we were like, well, (laughs) wait a minute. But it was like just it was way lower than like the amount that would have been taken. And we were a little like, oh, my gosh, did he just need a little whiskey tasting? I just I thought it was. Well, that's
0: why celebrations like Dio los Martos are so cool and important because the dead literally get to party through you. They get a huge meal. A lot of times entire meals are made. Where you can eat them, but right. also like it's for for your ancestors. They get alcohol, they get a parade, they get music and dancing. It's beautiful to think that like they on the other side also get to join in on the celebration. We're enjoying with you. that, yeah, yeah. And today, mediums and witches tell you to leave offerings for your ancestors or for any spirits, really—Gods, goddesses, fae, angels, spirit guides, whatever it is that you work with as a medium or a witch—as a sort of quid pro quo. Like, here's some food and tobacco and coins. In exchange, would you mind helping me manifest this? Or would you provide my spell with some extra oomph or protect me as I dot, dot, dot? So I basically, like this came into my mind. I said all this just to say maybe we should all get a little more serious about leaving offerings of wine and food and tobacco and corns. Corns and corn. Leave corn. There's so many of it here in Illinois. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. If you're in the even offerings of our time, and like you know, that your grandparents enjoyed doing this thing, maybe do that and think of them because if it is that way over there, I want to give my grandma that.
1: Yeah. How special. I love that. Isn't that lovely? And I love, I love thinking that she is like enjoying the cooking with you and the food, and that that's like a part of you reconnecting in the afterlife. I think that's cool. It's so lovely. So
0: lovely. I'm here for it. So I'm going Man. to add offerings to my altar weekly. I think just for you I know. know whoever I should really do that. Whoever too. needs a little sip whoever of wine a or bite of a cracker, some something, something.
1: <laughs> have a little Ritz, some cracker. raisins. <laughs>
0: like what? Do no, you want? I
1: think that is so great. Sprinkle a little, a little, a little snack. snack, a little snacky uh, snack. I think that is very yeah. cool, and I love hearing that. Uh, so sweet (laughs) um this next story might be sweet or horrible it depends on how you take it but this actually was a nice story to segue into because it does involve your loved ones and being deceased or so you thought
0: oh god this is
1: (laughs) this is another (laughs) segment of this This week is. Weird news. So this did just happen in the month of June. Here we are, June, 2023. So it is, it's recent. I always try, if I'm going to do this segment, I'm like, let's keep it tight. Let's
0: keep it tight, guys.
1: So (laughs) Keep it tight. So straight out of a horror movie or an evil tease to your friends or the greatest moment of your life. I don't know how you'll take it. It involves your loved ones. So an Ecuadorian woman regained consciousness at her own wake. On Ugh. June 9th, 2023, just earlier this month, she has now died officially, once again, mm-hmm. after having spent a week in intensive care, according to Ecuador's health ministry, but just, just listen to this. So the relatives of this woman, of retired nurse Bella Montoya, were shocked to hear noises coming from her coffin oh during her my wake. god. What they're at the funeral home, they had they were having the wake just hours after she passed, which I should have done more research into this. I don't know if that is a normal thing to do or if they were just like, We have to do it now. Maybe it depended on the family's needs or whatever. But it was like she had been declared dead that morning. This was five hours later, obviously, five to five and a half hours later. No
0: embalming, (laughs) like no No. preparation of the body. Okay, she was like wrapped in a sheet and in a coffin. Yeah,
1: still in a coffin like the wake was going to happen. I think they were like preparations were still being made, but she was wrapped in a sheet inside the coffin, had been declared dead for five hours at this point. And family and friends like the close, close inner circle is all there, you know, grieving this woman. And they hear noises coming from her coffin after she had been declared dead following a suspected stroke. That was the idea. And then it sort of sounded like knocking enough to where they were like. What? Like, spirit. Spirit, Spirits you? you've called. You've called for me. <laughs> so they go running over. It would have sent me running out the back door, if I'm being honest, which is like what I said. I don't know if you'd be like hopeful in that moment. I would be like, what I'd demon took over my family? And I'd run. You would
0: have to call me to be like, Grandma's alive. Because I would be uh, like yeah, halfway I'd, home.
1: I'd be in Mexico. Yeah. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, she's fine, actually. And then I might come back. But. Um, so they immediately run to the coffin, at least a few of them, to see what was happening. They open the coffin, and she is indeed alive. She is like oh, eyes yeah. open, mouth moving, like panting. She was rushed straight back to the hospital in Ecuador's central city of Babahoyo, and officials described her condition as unstable. And her family said doctors like did not try to get their hopes up in the slightest, which is good. Right. Because I think they were all like, miracle, of she's course. But
0: stick around forever. <laughs> she's fine.
1: <laughs> and doctors were like, This this is insane. I'll give you that. But like she's, she's not dying. well. So yeah. yeah. So they didn't give hope for a recovery after this shocking moment. They admit her, and then a week later, and just this past Friday on June 16th, late in the night. After a week, she did pass away, and the health ministry said that Bella Montoya is officially dead. Much more close monitoring this time. They're certain of it. (laughs) Or is she? Keep it. Keep in touch. We'll see. Um, Age 76, she had died. Her cause of death was an ischemic stroke, and she was, again, under constant monitoring in the ICU from the Friday to the Friday, that full week where it was like, permanent surveillance nobody was leaving that room um but she again she was pretty much completely out of it brain dead after that and then has officially passed away so they then take her back to the same funeral home that she was at the first time and
0: you imagine how funny that first speech would be where it's like well (laughs) welcome back everybody (laughs) welcome
1: back everybody should we try it again should we try it again I know, I'm like I hope that maybe not right away when it's still fresh, but maybe in years to come there can be jokes about I it said. where it's like we're gonna try it. I've
0: told you this before. Time. Like I haven't la- I like I laughed so hard at my grandma's funeral. Like oh my god, those are the best funerals. Be yeah. Fun.
1: Agreed. My, I'm trying to think of the most recent deaths because both of my, both of my grandpas, I was much younger, so I don't super remember them. And one of them was super Catholic and in a church and boring, Mm -hmm. which it made me sad because he was such a fun guy. But in recent times, my friend Ryan and my aunt Jean both had such fun celebrations of life. We didn't even call them funerals because everybody just shared stories. We looked at pictures, looked at videos, and I laughed my ass off. And I think I do agree. I think that's how it should be. But I don't know what was going on for sure with Bella Montoya's. But we hope they can laugh. Hope they laugh. So she was brought back to the same funeral home, which I'm also thinking of the people who work there who are like, is it real this time? Like, are we sure? Um, her son told the Associated Press that she will be buried at a public ceremony and. They did want to do all the services through the same funeral home because they loved them and they were very understanding when things went awry the first time, so they still wanted to go through them. Um, So Bella Montoya, just hours after she had been declared dead, was awake and breathing heavily, as we had said before, and I did want to say that the video was recorded by a family member because, honestly, I'm glad somebody did it and wasn't in too much of shock because I know it sounds like morbid and dark, but I it's interesting that this is on video and I would, even if I was halfway to Mexico, I'd want to call somebody and be like, did you film it? What just did happened? Did
0: anyone pull out their camera?
1: Yeah. Cause it's just like, what? <laughs> so you can see clips online or screenshots oh of God. the coffin resting on the floor of this small, bare light blue room. It has all it's furnished with is a silver crucifix and a little small fan. And the only reason I say this is because I only looked at screenshots. I couldn't bring myself to watch it yet. It, Like, kind of is a creepy-looking room, so I was just a little, like, are we sure this wasn't, like, a horror movie meant to haunt my dreams? Like, what is going on? It just is, like, an eerie feeling when you're watching it, so just, like, prepare yourself. But anyway, the video shows inside the open casket when two men are leaning over her, like, trying to pull her head up and see what's actually happening, and you see a woman with gray hair and a very gaunt face. Like, you can tell... She's not looking good, like things are about to go south, and then you see her taking those gasps of air, the heavy breathing that was described. So, I mean, watch if you want. I just have to throw it out there. We have some weirdos who might want to see it. Um, And, of course, the health ministry has formed a committee to investigate how the first declaration of death happened. Did you really check everything? Yeah. And how the hospital um issues death certificates and what exactly is required because this does not seem to go by any kind of protocol that is known in Ecuador. Somebody
0: fucked up real bad here. They did. And it's wild that that happened. Goodness gracious. Do you listen to a podcast called Yes. Oh. Radio Rental?
1: No. What?
0: Okay. Usually I have at least heard quick of what you just said. Plug for a podcast called Radio Rental. It's fantastic. It's narrated by Rain Wilson, um who plays oh. a character. I can't think of the character's name. Oh man, it's so good. Hold on, I have to find it. He plays a character
1: on the podcast?
0: Yeah, he's he plays oh, a video that. store owner named Terry Carnation. Oh. <laughs> He plays a video star star named Terry Carnation. And every single episode, there are two stories um, narrated by the actual person it happened to. And they're all weird, strange, creepy stories. And the whole idea is that, like, he has them on tape. And he, like, lets you listen to his private collection of creepy stories.
1: Oh, my God.
0: But one of them um, was about a guy who worked as... um, he worked for a morgue, I believe, or or a funeral home and he was he was like the body transport. So like when someone would die, he would go and get the body and bring it to wherever. And there was one time that he was called to get this guy and was like we need him cremated tonight. Um like the the wife or the girlfriend or whatever wants him cremated right now. And the guy just talks about like how as he was, like, driving the body, he, like, heard things in the back and thought it was weird, and, like, he went back there, and he noticed that it, like, shifted a little bit, and he was, like, I don't know if this guy's dead, and he, Mm -mm. like, he took it in and, like, had a doctor, like, listen for a heartbeat, and even the doctor at first was, like, um, hold on, like, I feel like, nope, nope, he's dead, like, keep it going, and he was, like, I just don't feel like this guy's dead, and he even, like, called his boss to be, like, I don't feel comfortable with this. I kind of feel like this guy, something's telling me this guy's not dead. And the guy was like, they want him cremated tonight. Get him there. Get him cremated. In the end, well, actually, I'm not going to spoil it for you in case you listen to it, but like, it's just one of those things immediately it's like, (laughs) I can't imagine having that feeling of like,
1: I think this person is still with us.
0: Yeah, are you absolutely sure? Positive. I know. I could have a body in my morgue for like three weeks, and then if it's like time to cremate them, I'd be like, "Hey, bud, you—I would are make you in absolute, there? Like, I would be so freaked are out. Are you sure, bro? Yeah. Are you okay?
1: Tell me now. Speak now, or or forever hold your peace. Truly. Well, yeah, I, that, this question is not the same as what you were just describing, but I did kind of have the question at the end of the story, what would you do if this was your loved one and you were at this wake? Because I'm, I wasn't even just making a joke. Like when I said I would run, I don't think I, if I heard knocking coming from a coffin because I've seen so many horror movies, my assumption would be. Oh, my mom came back to life, but as a demon this time. (laughs) Yeah. It's not her. It's a demon. And this isn't Jane. Yeah. This is not Jane Gatorgal. This is a demon who has come to kill us all. So I'd be like, nobody touch it. Like, I really think I'd feel fear. I need an old priest and a young priest. I know. Immediately. Yeah. What would you do, do you think?
0: Besides, die myself. Like, I know. Shit your pants, of course. I'd be furious, yeah.
1: Furious because you had to go through all of the morning.
0: Well, and also because and my somebody my got it wrong. Had to go through all of the like. That's such a stressful yeah. situation. I mean, imagine waking up in a in a coffin. coffin. Like how scary Being that like, would what have be. You done? Yeah. And like maybe she wasn't quite yeah. with it cuz like you said she was she had had a stroke and she wasn't really. So maybe maybe she didn't yeah. experience much of it at all,
1: but You don't really know what's going I'd on. I'd be
0: pretty pissed. Of course it's Ecuador and you did describe the building as being pretty bare, so maybe it's a very low income area. Um I know. If I heard knocking from a coffin, yeah, I wouldn't go back. Even for, like, yeah. funeral number two, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not feeling so hot. I don't think I'll make it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I would need to go it. to a new location or I wouldn't be able to yeah. attend. But I I give props to the men I wasn't actually able to decide who yeah. were the two men mm-hmm. in there yeah and i didn't watch it but i it didn't really say like who the men were maybe it was one of the sons that was interviewed and quoted by the associated press but like the two men who just like rushed there and were immediately yeah. like i hey, think she's alive i give them so much props yeah. for being bold enough to just run and be like mother or auntie whoever it is because no, i I, I truly think i would like poop my pants yeah. if i hadn't run been, or just sit if there i hadn't been out show.
0: of the building i would have been the far corner you know what I mean like I would have been so far away they would have even been like come help and I would be like
1: no no (laughs) yeah I'd be that person in the horror movie that's sitting there in shock and everyone is yelling at them like hurry help us and they're like I can't I can't dude and then they run and they're eventually like murdered by something else down the road but yeah that would be me
0: uh yeah I mean that's the scariest thing Ever burying someone alive, one
1: mm-hmm, 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 so scary,
0: mm-hmm. but also just—I mean, knock on a coffin like that—that that has to be like. I know. If you had one of those, you know, those uh competitions that are like scariest two sentence horror story or whatever, it'd be like, "What's the scariest right. sound you can think of?" I'd be like, "Knock on a coffin." Knock a on knock coffin. on a coffin is probably the scariest sound I can think of. We're all just standing around, starting the grieving process, and.
1: Excuse me? <laughs> Fuck off. Get out of here.
0: Goodness. Bella. Well, we're going to continue on with some news because Lauren, it's time to throw another shrimp on the barbie. It's time for Aussie News. Aussie News. <laughs> Aussie Nerds is the segment where we bring you strange and unusual stories from the land down under and news is definitely a loose term because this story comes to us from 1935 but hey it was news We're counting it at one point <laughs> one time yep
1: that's how my last one was it's
0: it's australian aussie
1: stories but aussie news sounds better okay so in
0: 1935 by the way this is a story about a shark uh and it turns out it's oh. kind of in the end a little bit of a bummer, but it's a okay. fun ride on the way. All so right. okay. in nineteen thirty five there was an aquarium called the Coogie Aquarium. And the man who ran Coogie. it was named Bert Hobson.
1: Oh, I thought he was gonna be Bert Coogie. Okay.
0: Bert Coogie. Coogie Aquarium, Coogie Associates. No, Bert Hobson. <laughs> the okay. beach is named Coogie Beach. That's where that comes
1: Okay. From. I I needed that.
0: In mid-April of that year, Bert was finishing fishing. Hello. It's the tequila. (laughs) Sorry. In mid-April of that year, Bert was fishing with his son off of Sydney, Australia's Coogie Beach when he began Mm -hmm. to reel in a small shark. And at the time, a huge 14-foot, one-ton tiger shark ended up eating that small shark and getting caught in his fishing line. So Bert thought this enormous beast would be an excellent attraction at his aquarium. And of course he wasn't wrong. Everybody loves a big shark, especially in 1935 to see a real live shark that had to be incredible. That's true. What a moment. So um, a week later they managed to get it in. They managed to get it to the aquarium. A week later, as a crowd gathered around the shark's tank on Anzac Day, which is similar to Memorial Day here in the United States, they all got to witness something horrific. The shark, which, by the way, kind of mad he never got a name. He's just called Shark. So maybe at the end of the story, we should come up with a name for him. He deserves one. Anyway, the shark began to act strangely. It was moving sluggishly. It was bumping into the walls with its nose and even sinking to the tank's floor at one point. It looked like he was struggling to swim. Then he started coughing up a brown, frothy substance that, according to the witnesses there, smelled really foul. Along with the brown muck, the shark uh, puked up a rat, a bird, and finally... A man's arm.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) It just keeps getting
0: worse. (laughs) So naturally, everyone that saw this was like, oh, my God, killer shark, man-eating shark, holy shit. But the thing was, when they examined the arm, they found that it was actually cut off, not bitten off. So it became very quickly that the body had been dismember- dismembered and thrown into the ocean. And Ooh. it was actually the smaller shark that ate the arm. And then the tiger shark <gasps> ate the smaller shark. It was a Russian nesting doll of terror. It's a circle
1: <laughs> of life.
0: <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yes. Okay,
1: did they solve a crime?
0: Well, now they had a crime to solve because they found an arm that had been sawed off. That this shark happened to eat. And they're like, whose fucking arm was this? And fingerprinting, 1935, fingerprinting was brand new technology at the time. But they did go about fingerprinting the hand to try and find the identity of the now very clearly probably dead man. But it wasn't easy as one, two, three. So they made sure that local media outlets released a description of the tattoo on the man's arm. In any article that they posted about what Ooh. happened, so maybe someone would recognize it and come forward. And that's exactly what happened. Right. So a man named Edwin Smith was reading the description of the tattoo, which was two boxers facing each other, fists poised for a fight. And he was like, well, shit. My brother James has that tattoo on his forearm, and he's also been missing for several weeks. Oof. Oof. He was obviously upset, but he was also not surprised. Apparently, James Smith, Jim Smith, a 45-year-old English-born resident of Gladesville, Australia, had a history of criminal behavior and of being a police informant, which is a dangerous life to Mm, lead. Very, very dangerous. He managed a local billiards bar, as well as he would Mm. pick up odd jobs around the Sydney area, And, most importantly, he worked for a boat-building mogul who just so happened to be a crime kingpin named Reginald Holmes.
1: Of course his name was Reginald Holmes,
0: let's be honest.
1: Okay, well, everything is pointing to, yep, the mob got him. Everything
0: seems to be. They, They did. Uh, working out this guy man oh man reginald first off Ooh. his boat business was already successful but greed is a strong son of a bitch because he wanted more he would use his speed boats to transport drugs from ships passing through sydney harbor to harbor to sell in the city he also would pull forgery and insurance scams on the side and these are usually the types of yeah. things he'd call jim smith in along uh, for along with another ex-convict named Patrick Brady. Those were his two guys that he would do these mm. with. One of his biggest cons involved the destruction of an overinsured yacht. So Jim Smith was actually the one that was hired to sink the boat, and then Reginald filed a claim for the damages, and the plan was to collect a shitload of money. But, sure. and I don't know why they did this, uh, why he did this, because... He ended up dead, and we never got to ask. But Jim ended up reporting the incident to the police as suspicious. They investigated it, and Reginald ended up having to pay for the yacht that was sank as opposed to collecting the insurance money. So do you think he was happy about that?
1: I think he would have been Mm -hmm. so mad. He would dismember a body.
0: He was less than thrilled. (laughs) Sure,
1: sure, sure, sure. It
0: turns out Jim Smith was last seen drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel in Cronulla on April 7th. From there, supposedly, Mm. they ended up at a cottage that Brady was renting. And Brady was seen later looking disheveled when he took a cab from the cottage he was renting to the home of Reginald Holmes. He went right to his boss. Once the fingerprints came back matching Jim Smith, the cops pretty much already had a good idea of what happened that night, and they ended up bringing Brady in on forgery charges that were totally unrelated to the crime, and after 6 hours of interrogation, he confessed to killing Jim Smith. But he said Reginald Holmes was the mastermind. He was the one that hired him to do it. So,
1: the story is so crazy. It's wild.
0: So I
1: can't believe the twists and turns It gets crazy
0: So Holmes finds out the police are on to him And he goes, a berserk By the time the cops arrived To have a little chit chat with him He was on a speedboat In the middle of Sydney's harbor Speeding around, drinking a bottle of liquor Like straight from the bottle At one point he stopped the boat In front of a group of spectators That had gathered to watch the cops Chase this drunk man on a speedboat And he said, Jimmy Smith is dead and there's only another left. If you leave me until tonight, I will finish him. What? Mm. That doesn't make sense.
1: Excuse you?
0: Especially when his little speech ended in him pulling out a gun and shooting himself in the head and falling into the water. But... Mm. The wound was somehow not fatal, and he ended up swimming around and flailing in his own blood before he drug himself back on the boat with a fucking massive head injury. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It is only because of the speech
1: (laughs) and then just being like, I'm back, I'm missing an eye, but I'm here. Has anybody seen my eyeball? The
0: cops got him. Uh, And at that point, they took him to the hospital where, after almost an entire day, he sort of confessed. He said it was definitely Brady that killed Jim. And he knew that because Brady was trying to blackmail him. According to uh, uh, Reginald, Brady showed up that night with the arm that eventually got eaten, warning him that he would Mm. be next if he didn't pay him. And Reginald claimed to have panicked... And gotten rid of the arm himself by throwing it in the water. And we know what happened to the arm from there. Sharky yeah. shark shark. But the story gets even darker. Wow. When oh, on no. the morning of the inquest into the case, Reginald Holmes was supposed to give evidence to a judge. But he was a no-show. So the police assumed he'd fled. But then he was found in his car with three bullet holes in his chest. He had just Mm. taken out a massive life insurance policy on himself. So the leading theory is that he had hired Hitman to kill him after the policy was established in order for his family to get the payout because suicide would have rendered it null. Right, right, right. So when the case went to trial, though, they had zero physical evidence. They had no testimony from Reginald Holmes on account of him him being very dead. So Brady was acquitted of the charges And he actually maintained his innocence until his death in 1965. Dang. But unfortunately, sad stuff's not over. The shark also died because as part of the investigation, the tiger shark was killed and cut open because he'd puked up an arm. And police had to know if any other body parts or evidence was inside him. So they had to do an autopsy. And it was all for naught because the arm was the only thing they found inside of him. Oh, man.
1: Poor shark. And, like, I don't innocent love shark. sharks if I'm in the ocean, and I think they're going to kill me, but I know that that shark was innocent.
0: He didn't even An eat arm the arm. was thrown into the ocean. He ate a shark that ate he the didn't. arm. He didn't.
1: He ate a shark that ate the arm, but I don't even blame the other shark because the arm was just thrown yeah. in there, and, of course, you're like, oh, Ooh, I treat. smell blood. Like, this seems like food. So again as we have said no with the winners orca here story humans are terrible humans and the sea don't belong life <laughs> is in the ocean in the ocean we deserve what's coming <laughs> to us because they are just trying to survive
0: so that is known as anyway, the shark arm my case. god <laughs> that is some great Aussie
1: Aussie nerves. nerves, i tell you um, what? that is a wild, a wild ride, ride. Yeah. Start to finish. Oh my gosh! It just kept going. Whew. Like it, the the crime family, the the shark. You just think it's going to be a, an aquarium story. Like I couldn't believe where it went. No, it went I loved over. it, but I do well. think the
0: shark deserves a name. So, hmm. Reggie,
1: Daniel Tiger, Daniel shark. Tiger, Reggie.
0: It's Daniel Tiger? I did that because children's. Yeah. Yeah. those
1: stupid moments that happened to me because of being a teacher and a toddler mom i like reggie Reggie so much
0: more r.i.p reggie deserve it but you did give us a really wonderful story and you will go down in history one of the most famous sharks of all time truth what a tale what a
1: tale And now, we luckily get to end on something really special. We have a brand new segment sponsored by a listener. You guys heard us talking about this where we said, please send in a segment idea, sponsor a segment that you want to hear on the show. Make it known. And we finally had somebody send one in. So this is for our loyal listener, our dear friend, our past guest. Mel, who you know from our deep sea episodes, our marine biology expert extraordinaire. We love her so much. Also the Lymph Mansion investigation with Ashley in St. Louis. Thank you, Mel, for being the absolute best. And your idea is amazing. I'll get into it in just a second. But before we fully get into the segment, also, we told you guys, like, this is just our first example. So I'm going to harp on it a little We told you that you could plug anything you wanted, whether it's for yourself or for somebody else. So you can plug something, you can give a shout out, whatever you want, because you are sponsoring this segment. This was all your idea. So before we get into it, I wanted to say that Mel has asked, she wanted to ask you all to consider donating to Shout Your Abortion. Um, ShoutYourAbortion.com is the official website. It is a great organization that helps to provide safe access to abortion, especially in those states that have hands-made, tail-level laws. If you are ever feeling scared or out of options, whatever it may be, this is the place for you. It is such a helpful resource that you might want to use for yourself if you're listening to this and this is resonating with you or... If you want to pass it on to somebody, or if you just want to donate and help them because they work off of charitable funds and it keeps them running and able to help even more people and just have all of the resources they could possibly have. So shout your abortion, shoutyourabortion.com is the website to go to. Help them out, donate, see for yourself. So thank you, Mel, for thank that you, awesome Mel. one. And her last little shout out. This isn't an organization to support, but she also wanted to give a very un-birthday <laughs> shout out to your Lemp ma- Mansion friend, Jacob. Ashley, that's to you. They met that lovely man, Jacob, if you remember, who loves to have PJ parties during a tornado.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I mean, listen. Thank you, don't Mel. We all?
1: <laughs> Mel's first tornado, poor thing. She um, survived. We love you. Thank you so much for sending this in. She did survive. <laughs> So her idea, she had a couple, but we latched on to, she was like, you guys have done TV, movies, sports, things that are cursed or haunted, but I feel like you haven't done a lot of haunted music, haunted songs, haunted singers. And we were like,
0: okay, bet,
1: as the young ones say, let's do it. So we are doing haunted songs and I have, this is just for now, you guys can tell us if you have a better name. I'm calling the segment Cursed Crooners and Spooky Songs.
0: Nope, that's perfect. And I have a little,
1: I have a song, because that was another request of Mel, as she said, I hope Miss Dr. Spaceman herself would come up with an intro song. So here we go. Okay. Beware of ballads that can invade your brain. Make no mistake of the melodies that cause pain. Tune out the tunes that cause you to quiver. Hymns that haunt are sure to send a shiver cursed crooners and spooky songs crooked covers and scary sing-alongs cold courses and sordid sonnets crazy canters and sinful soloists cursed crooners How do you feel? How do you feel? Give your honest thoughts.
0: Bravo, bravo, bravo. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. And now, anytime we do our cursed crooners or we'll spooky just play songs, it will be sponsored by Mel. Thank you so much, Mel. What do you got for us today? What are these spooky, okay. spooky music tales? Haunted music tale.
1: Um, why did I just lose my place? Oh, cause I was so nervous about the song. Okay. <laughs>
0: so you had no reason to be, it was a fantastic song.
1: Thank you so much. So there was a man named Robert Johnson, who was a blues singer in the 1930s. And he wrote a song called Crossroad Blues, mm. or as it's known today, usually when it's covered, people just call it Crossroads, but it is a very famous blues song and known as kind of a darker more soulful blues song, which is why Robert Johnson, both the musician and songwriter, were so important to music. He had a very short life, but an important life because of what he contributed to music because he made the blues blues. Like, they were supposed to be dark. They're supposed to come from the soul. He had families who had been enslaved. You know, like, he – people don't actually even know his exact birth date because there was no birth certificate ever presented for him because it was just, like, that time –
0: I know. Not knowing. People were just like, your you appeared.
1: No. People think it was like around May 11th, but it's just like there was not a ton of family history because they were usually on a plantation with a white family. So there's always been a spooky lore behind Robert Johnson beyond just this song of Crossroads or Crossroad Blues it's been said that johnson himself struck a deal with the devil at a crossroads in mississippi in order to become the king of delta blues hmm. um because apparently he used to appear at like these little clubs and places that were kind of under the radar playing blues songs and he during intermission between like amazing musicians would get up and ask to borrow their guitar and play and usually the audience was kind of displeased and giving not great feedback of like Why? that was fine. He just like hadn't honed in on it yet. He was oh, okay. he, he needed he some practice. He was I young. See. This was like I when was like, he was 18, is it 19.
0: He's black? Okay. No,
1: because these were like it was like a black crowd.
0: It was a black crowd. Um, okay.
1: But yeah, he would come up and even the singers up there, they would be so kind to him but were just sort of like, hey, like practice a little more. Yeah. And he was known for doing this and people were like, that Robert Johnson, he's got the heart, but Man, doesn't have the
0: talent. So then,
1: he doesn't have the talent. So he vanished for a little while, and the story of the legend goes that Robert Johnson, who was terrible at the guitar and wanted to be Mm. a blues guitar so badly, came to this crossroads in Mississippi at the age of nineteen at Highway Forty Nine and Highway Sixty One, and was greeted by a tall man. I know. Because <laughs> apparently this was like, this was a legend. Like, if you go to this crossroads, a few musicians have talked about it, I guess. Okay. So people think he actually went, because then they didn't see him for a while, and he had been talking about it. So he goes to this crossroads, and it the rumor is that he was greeted by a tall man, supposedly the devil, who took his guitar, tuned it, played a few riffs, and then returned the guitar back to Johnson and he was able to play from that moment forward. And in exchange, he just had to sell his soul and basically yeah, do anything that the devil said. Yeah, just like give up your soul said. or whatever. Yeah, it's like totally fine. Um, but he did return from his mysterious time away an incredible guitarist. I think it was like either nine months or a year later. Obviously, stories differ. This was a long time ago. It was in the 30s. But everybody said that he just showed up to the clubs one day and was phenomenal. And again, was playing the blues like nobody had ever really heard and changed the game. So it was like, this guy's amazing. It
0: wasn't just like, oh, he got good. It was like, oh, he got so good. He's the best in the country.
1: Yes. And nobody knew where he went. So that's why the stories were able Mm -hmm. to run wild. Because it's like he had to have made a deal with the double. He couldn't have been
0: practicing.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That couldn't be. Um, He became a legend overnight um, saying that he met the devil and made a deal. That's just like how it all started. So he had songs like Crossroad Blues, which is the famous song that we're going to get a little more into. And then he also had a song called Me and the Devil Blues and Hellhound on My Trail, which just fed in. To the myth, whether the he myth. was in on the yeah. joke, <laughs> in on the joke or not, myth, true story. Who knows? He could have just been having fun with it, but he had some like Lucifer songs. Um. Okay. So then he did die in 1938, and Crossroad Blues or Crossroads came out in 1936 before his death, and his death was mysterious. So, mm. like that is a little part of it as well. As people never like really knew how he died. People don't even really know where his headstone is, but. Now I have to get in the most important part of this is this haunting blues track has tragedy wherever it goes. So whether two years dying after you wrote a song, isn't that crazy? So like, that's not necessarily attached, but this was a Robert Johnson song that he made after possibly making a deal with the devil. And then following some weird examples of why the song could be cursed include the very sad story of Eric Clapton, who is, I mean, an amazing musician, but he was known to cover this song and he famously played a version of this song with the band cream. And very shortly after he lost his two year old son from a tragic fall out of a window, which I know I like just found out about this earlier this year. And Alex was like, how do you not know that it's like the most famous thing about Eric Clapton? But I didn't, it's horrible. He was never the same. He still wrote music a lot dedicated to his son. That's really beautiful. But that came shortly after singing the song the band Leonard Skinnerd, we've all heard of them, mm-hmm. covered the song <laughs> numerous <laughs> times. <laughs> Do you guys know that one? <laughs> um, the band Leonard Skinnerd was known to cover the song, and then they were involved in a tragic plane crash that killed three band members okay. and their tour manager. Everyone,
0: stop playing this song.
1: Stop it. Also, one person who did not die in the plane crash, Skinner guitarist Alan Collins, then suffered in a car crash not long later in 1986 that killed his girlfriend, and he was badly injured. He did survive, though, but then just a few years later in 1990, he did pass away. So I don't know if that's related or not. It is years later, but not great luck. They all still died at way younger ages than they should have. The Allman Brothers, very creepy, I would say, out of all of these. They performed the tune a lot throughout their career, and they had a couple of tragic deaths. Dwayne Allman died in a motorcycle accident in 1971, and then just a little over a year later, it was a year and 13 days, almost exactly a year later, two blocks away from where Dwayne Allman had crashed, band member and bass player Barry Oakley also perished in a motorcycle accident. And it is said in the rumor that this death spot was right near a crossroads. Dun, dun, dun. So just do what
0: you will. Is and every intersection a crossroads? Like, what's a crossroads? A lot of things are near
1: crossroads, but just let us have this moment, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: We're always okay, just near just crossroads. Sure.
1: <laughs> just have a little fun. No, but 1,000%. No,
0: I just want to make sure I knew the definition yeah. of a
1: crossroad. Because yes, I was like, said. wait, hold on. Okay, yeah. Uh, It was an intersection of two highways. But anyway, also a huge rumor, which this one has little to no evidence, but just thought it was interesting, was Kurt Cobain, who died at the age of 27, which is another music world curse that I actually think we've talked about before, of people dying, musicians especially, at the age of 27. It is said that Kurt Cobain was planning to do a cover of this song at a future show or had an idea of adding it to an album, Before he died, very soon before he died. So again, who knows, but that was a rumored thing. And it was because he liked that darker kind of music. So Mm -hmm. it spoke to him in a way and he, it's believable in that way, but I know, but he died at the age of 27 before he ever got to play it. So that was interesting. And to add fire to the spookiness surrounding Robert Johnson and his song, Robert Johnson also passed away at the age of 27. I would like to say he might be like one of the first. He
0: might be the first 27 club.
1: The 27 club curse because it was 1938. And there is not a lot to be found regarding the truth of his death. As I mentioned before, there are three different cemeteries that claim to have his headstone and actual grave. And nobody actually knows who has it. There is a death certificate. He didn't have a birth certificate. He had a death certificate that said he died of syphilis, But for some reason, anyone close to him is just not buying this and says it doesn't add up to anything that was happening in, like, the year leading up to his death. And many people, especially in the South, believe he was poisoned at a bar by a scorned lover or a jealous man, a jealous male bar patron who knew that he might have been messing around with his woman at the bar Um, Because he was a bit of a ladies' man. And he was found dead next to a bottle of whiskey that, like, could have been not related or could have been a poisoned bottle of whiskey. So people usually latch on to that and just say it's very mysterious that people don't really know what happened and where the hell is he buried? Yeah. Um, So whether the curse is true or not about this song or if it's just a legend, the music world has been in a chokehold with this for so long. And I think a lot of people, no matter how dark and beautiful this blues song is, are scared to play it because of things that have happened. I mean, it's very strange coincidence, if anything, if we're just going to throw it to that. But the song is a little peculiar, nonetheless. Cursed crooners and spooky songs.
0: That is actually really spooky. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the 27 Club, there's just been a lot of famous musicians who have died at age 27. Uh, Kirk Cobain, mm-hmm. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. So many more, I'm
1: blanking. Did Jim Maybe? Morrison
0: die at, die he at 27? He was very young.
1: I know, I'm like, Google it.
0: Yeah, okay, Kirk Cobain, Brian Jones, Jim Morrison, I was right. Amy Winehouse, Robert Johnson, Janis mm. Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. I don't think I knew
1: he was in the 27 Club now that you just said Jimi Hendrix.
0: Jimi Hendrix does seem like he was older, right? Maybe it's just because he was so. He had the swagger of an older man. I know he did. And just like was so
1: versed in like everything Mm -hmm. music. But yeah. I know. And it's so funny because you're reading that list. You're reading it so casually. And Robert Johnson is just like thrown in there, even though like he's mixed in with people not of his time. So I think I just never paid attention to it. And then was like, how did I not know about I just didn't
0: know who Robert Johnson was. So it was just like, yeah, I was like, who's that? And and then it was like everyone else. I was like, huge name, huge name, huge name, huge name. And now to know who Robert Johnson is. You're right. You mm-hmm. might have been the first. You might have been the first member of the 27 Club. This was what, 1939, you Eight. Eight. 1938. Yep. It's yeah, wild. Man. Honestly, mm-hmm. I am so pumped for this segment because I Me actually too. have, I have like two music stories that I was saving for the day that we did like a music episode or like which a music. Which we always which planned on doing. Which we always talked doing. about. Yeah. We never did. And now we can just throw this segment in. Sponsored by Mel. We love you, Mel. We love you, Mel. Sponsored by Mel. And we can throw this segment in when we want to tell our like creepy, crazy music stories. And that one is Curse Cursed crooners.
1: Spooky songs. Yeah. That's
0: great. Cursed crooners and spooky songs brought to you by... Melanie Vertibadian. Melanie.
1: We love you, Melanie. Love you, Mel, our deep so sea much. marine biology expert. expert. And, and just the best.
0: And truly the best. Um, That is, unfortunately, though, all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you, as always, for joining us. No new episode next week. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, July is going to be a bit of a tough one between weddings and traveling and projects. But, but. We will be back the following week with our flashback episode. We're going back. Yay. We're visiting our funniest moments. So this is your last call. Send in a moment that made you laugh. You can email us to keep it at keepitweirdpodcast at gmail.com or you can call us at 626-686-1821 and leave a message for us there. Also – Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast. We teach you tarot. We teach you easy spells for witchcraft. We share all of our new merch designs. We chat with you in our comments and our DMs. It's a fucking blast. Please join us there. Also consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash weird podcast, where you can get a bonus episode. Ad-free episodes, discounts on merch, and even a newsletter that comes out on the last day of every month. And I believe this week's newsletter, or this month's newsletter, I'm going to be covering a bunch of really, really, really great new TV shows and true crime documentaries Ooh. that you guys Gosh, may not know Gosh, a lot has about. come out. Oh, so much. So much. I've it's been so watching much. so many good it's documentaries. Like, I can't actually wait to see good.
1: <laughs> I know. I feel like we were in a drought for a while, actually. We were. We talked about this. of like, what do we promote? What like, there's I'm nothing. Now... About. We're just swimming in the sea. Sorry, I took off my jacket. I am so sweaty. I'm a little hot. Okay, let's do it.
0: Finally, please like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be the first to know anytime a new episode or clip is uploaded. And you'll make us look good. So.
1: (laughs) I loved, like, the wait for
0: it. Look good. Help us. But for (laughs) now, hit me, BB, one more hive. It's hive mind. God. You'll never you'll never miss, I swear. <laughs> Till the day I do and then we're all going to go wah wah.
1: Okay, oh, this may be oh, our last
0: time ever using the flashing no, method because it, it hasn't has started to really really fail for us and we it might have to so good for It a was so good for a minute. Proud I don't of know us. What happened to us? I know, but this week Lauren is trying to send me a psychic message. Once again, we are using Zenir cards. Oh, I just sent it to you last are... week. No, I sent it to you, I last, sent week. It to you last week. We just no. recorded it one hour ago. Oh wait, yes. I know it was. I'm sending it to you. <laughs>
1: you little, <laughs> this already isn't going well.
0: This is my second tequila. Will this make me better or will this make me worse?
1: Maybe. I slipped a little bourbon into my tea for the second episode.
0: I'm sending Lauren a psychic message. These shapes are squiggly line, star, circle, square, and plus sign. (laughs) I'm going to send Lauren a psychic message using the flashing method, which is where I visualize the shape flashing. I got to (laughs) go. I gotta get out of here. Lord, oh, this me. is so funny. Help me, God. Uh, help okay. me, Jesus.
1: Help me, help Rhonda. Help Jewish
0: God. Okay. Are you ready to receive my psychic message? Yes. All right, here we go. Square.
1: Oh, fucking squiggly All right. It's done. All right, we need you know a new. What? It's done. We gotta,
0: we gotta figure out. We need it out. a new
1: tactic. We're gonna get it. Okay.
0: It faded for us. This is what we
1: needed. It worked for a time, good and time. I will always really remember
0: and look oh, joyfully at this time <laughs> where we had psychic abilities for like three weeks. Now it's over. No, okay. listen, okay. it's not over. We're gonna find a new. What's happening with my hair? We're gonna find a new method. Of Mm -hmm. developing our psychic abilities, and next time you hear from us during our funniest episode or our funniest clips episode, we're gonna get it. We're on it, we're gonna do this for you. We're gonna get it for you, for us, for all humanity, (laughs) for the world,
1: (laughs) for the universe, for the
0: world. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, have a lovely two weeks. We will see you in July.
1: See you in July where we'll be even sweatier and keep, keep it, it weird. Weird.